It's Wednesday, March 4th. Welcome to Market Foolery. I'm Chris Hill. With me in studio today, once again, it's Jason Milzer. Thanks for being here. Thank you. Let me start with this. <laughs> we have no idea what's going to happen. Nope. Let me just start there. We have no idea what's going to happen. And you might think I'm talking about the stock market, and I am on some level. But the reason I say that is because I'm talking about what's happening here at The Motley Fool, which to me is a microcosm for what's happening in the stock market and business in general out there. Um, yesterday on the show, I talked with Jim Gillies. I always love talking to Jim whenever he's in town. That was recorded on Monday afternoon because on Tuesday, our office was closed and uh, Full Global Headquarters here in Alexandria, Virginia was closed essentially as a way to test how our business operates when you have to close the office. Yeah. Now, that was just a one-day close, so it was easy for me to just say, well, we'll just record early and, and just sort of roll from there. Um, we've talked, and people listening have probably seen any number of very large companies out there that have done things like uh, restrict travel uh, for their employees. Um, just today, we saw Starbucks come out and say, yeah, our annual meeting Later this month, which we are uh, we're planning to hold in a seven thousand person venue, um, yeah, no, we're not doing that anymore. Our <laughs> annual meeting is now just going to be it's just going to be streamed. Um, so all of this is prelude to uh, there's a chance because again we have no idea what's going to happen. Uh, there's a chance that full headquarters might be closed for an extended period of time, and if that happens. Our multimedia team is working on how we can keep the podcasts in production so that we don't miss a beat. Uh, the audio quality will probably be different because instead of being in a state-of-the-art audio studio like we're in right now, we might be recording remotely. Yeah, but you we'll know, see. I mean, given given the <laughs> given how many podcasts are out there these days, and that just the, the sound quality isn't all that great on it, seems like most of them. Yes, I feel like maybe the dozens of listeners would be willing to cut us a little bit of slack. Give us a yeah, just give us a little I'd bit also, of a pass. I'd also say, I mean, calling him with Zoom, I've been really impressed with the quality of Zoom as as just time goes on. Um, you know, I mean, there's just a lot. There are a lot more options. I mean, to your point about Starbucks, I mean, I was just I saw you know Jack Dorsey was just saying how they they just held their first fully virtual Twitter global. All hands meeting, um, success. You know, I mean, ten years ago we wouldn't really have been able to do that. And, and ten years ago, it would have been a conference call. Sure, and to, <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, and today, it just the tools that are at, at our disposal to be able to deal with situations like this. I mean, it really, it really is. It's it's a lovely thing. I mean, it obviously stinks why we have to do it, but it's nice to know there are options. Let's get to some corporate news this morning because it, we continue to have earnings reports. Um, shares of Campbell Soup are up about eight percent. They had a good second quarter. Profits and revenue came in higher than expected. They raised guidance. I have to believe at least part of the rationale for people who are buying shares of Campbell Soup this morning and bidding it up is the belief that hey, say what you want about Campbell Soup, they make soup in a can <laughs> and uh, if if we're you know closing down 
uh, grocery stores for a while, or we just decide, I don't think I want to go out. Um, here's something I know can sit on my shelf and be good a month from now when I open it up. Well, better a can of Campbell's soup than a Jim Baker 30 day fiesta bucket, right? I mean, <laughs> that I think is where I draw the line. I think, you know, listen, let's, let's try to keep things um, somewhat on the level here. I, 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 there are a lot of knee-jerk reactions going on out there right now in the stock market, and I mean just in life in general. And I mean that that is understandable to the extent that if you turn on the TV, if you turn on the radio, if you're listening to any type of live programming, it, it is coronavirus twenty-four-seven. And in the case if it's not coronavirus, then it's then it's you know Super Tuesday election season related, and and they figure out a way to tie those two stories together. In in going back to how you. Started this show off today with with all of all of the talk and all of the chatter out there. It, it, the bottom line is nobody knows anything. It is all just total speculation. People just don't know. And so, I mean, we have to at least understand that. And and when you see these knee jerk reactions, whether it's to the upside or the downside, and I mean in Campbell's case, I mean that yeah, that that is a big move for a stock like that. It makes for a great headline. People are hunkering down. They're buying lots of soup, and and you know maybe maybe they're buying those thirty day fiesta buckets. I don't know. Um, that's not sustainable. I, I've said for a while now. I mean, I feel like we need to come to terms with the fact that this coronavirus, the COVID nineteen, is something that it's it's not like in a month or in two months we're going to have this problem solved and it's going to be gone. I mean, we have to reach the point where we just figure out okay, let's. Let's figure out how we're managing life in a world where this exists on an ongoing basis. And that's just going to take time to get there, time to come up with treatments, time to come up with vaccines, time to get more information. I mean, they talk about this mortality rate. That's, that's I think, a bit misleading because we're going to see more numbers come out as time goes on with people testing positive, right? I mean, so it, it's not to say don't take this seriously, but it's also it's also to say, Step back off the ledge for a second and don't overreact because it is very easy to overreact in times like this when everywhere you turn, you see nothing but this topic and the chaos that's ensuing from it. You know what's not helpful for some investors out there? What's that? Robin Hood's uh, trading app being Ooh. down for two days straight. That's that not one. helping. You know, okay, so because you say that. Because we've talked about, you know, for weeks now about, hey, look, there are. Great businesses out there. There are some businesses out there that may be great one day. They hold some promise now. They're trading at insane valuations, and now those valuations have come down. You can buy them for cheaper. Um, I think we're at some point we're going to talk about a stock that you think is an absolutely great business that you have your eyes on. Yes. Um, and there are those opportunities out there where it's like, hey, if you liked Starbucks at eighty-eight dollars a share. You're probably going to like it even better when it hits 75, or you know something like that. And so there, are, you know, there are investors out there who are like, yeah, I want to take advantage of this, and um, yeah, not having a robust trading platform not helping. Yeah, and I wonder. I mean, I really do wonder at this point. I mean, this this is a bit tongue in cheek, but really, in all honesty, it is it is a legit question, particularly given that outage. Why does Robinhood even exist today? Why in the world does it even exist? It shouldn't, right? Because the entire Concept was based on this platform with zero commissions and I guess fractional shares. Maybe everybody offers that now, like everybody. And and I'm telling you, from what I've seen, I don't use Robinhood. I've seen it. 
everybody's platform is better than theirs. <laughs> that thing is as bare bones as it gets. And, and I mean, it's not to say that they didn't do a good thing in building it. It, it is to say, I don't know why it necessarily needs to exist today. And I mean, if I... If it were me, I mean, I would be moving my money over to a reputable platform that has not only a better infrastructure, but but better information, better data, better liquidity, better everything. It just doesn't seem like Robinhood needs to exist today. Going out for two days, man, that could have been a fatal blow, actually. Well, and uh, to that point, I also don't use Robinhood, but I'm sure that anyone who does, and I've seen some of the anger on Twitter, <laughs> yeah. um, and I'm not saying it's not justified, but I what I am saying is that if you use Robinhood, now that we live in the age of everybody has zero trading commissions, go ahead and pick up, you know, pick, call Schwab, you know, email Schwab, email Ameritrade, email, like email them all at once and just be like, hi, this is who I am. Uh, I'm shopping around for someone new. Give me your. Give me your best offer. You're, I mean, you're going to hear back from them. I would imagine so. I mean, I would imagine any any trading platform out there today, any investment brokerage is going to look at this as a tremendous opportunity uh, to to siphon off what ultimately will be valuable traffic over the course of time. And I mean, I, I do feel like with Robinhood, there there's another side to that coin, and that you know, it going down is not good. But that could protect people from themselves to a degree. I mean, I feel like Robinhood, the platform, caters probably more towards folks who are focused on trading in in doing a lot of transactions, a lot of buying and selling. I think there are probably some people like that. Although, there, based on what I've read and and anecdotally around the office, there are also just people who are just younger and yeah. and got in when got in before. Schwab, Ameritrade, everyone else went to zero trading commission. They said, "Look, I'm just starting out. This is a this is an inexpensive way to get to dip my toe in the stock investing water." Yeah, and I think that was that. that I mean, that to me, that was a wonderful thing that happened. I mean, I, I really do. I, I applaud Robinhood for coming into existence for that because I do feel like they really spearheaded this movement more or less. I'm not saying that these brokerages wouldn't have eventually taken it down to zero. I mean, they. they I'm sure they were. Um, I think that Robin Hood really kind of lit a fire under them and, and made them think twice about uh, how they wanted to to do this going forward. And so I, I think that you know it becomes very obvious the writing on the wall. Let's get this thing down to zero as quickly as possible because zero is that's you can't go any lower. Um, I mean, unless you know there are platforms out there that want to pay you for trading. And I mean, we're talking about negative interest rates, Chris. So anything's right. possible, I guess. Um, and so I mean, for, from that perspective, I mean, I think that Robin Hood. Has ultimately been a very good thing, and and I, I don't want it to come across like I'm bad mouthing it. Our job as analysts is to wonder why some businesses exist and some don't, and and today is a much different situation than it was a year ago. And, and I, I look at Robinhood today and wonder why does even why does it even have to exist given where we are with all of these other brokerages? And, and it very well may be that it doesn't need to exist. It very well may be that a a Team is is out there right now looking to make an offer for Robinhood and all of their users because at the end of the day that that's an easy acquisition to make because you're buying that traffic you're buying those users you're buying those account holders it's I'm certain going to be uh, much much lower than the private valuations the company's been garnering to date. Going back to Campbell Soup um, for a second because um, another company uh, that 
sells well-known liquids, um, reported this morning. That's Brown Foreman. Um, their third quarter report was kind of disappointing. Um, Brown Foreman is put that in the uh, category of businesses where the brands they sell are much better known than the name Brown Foreman because yeah. they're in the alcohol business. Um, Jack Daniels, um, they have a whole portfolio of scotch, bourbon, Irish whiskey, tequila, vodka, uh, wine. Uh, this seems like a business that would do well in a time like this, almost a recession-proof or panic-proof business. Um, although, when I mentioned this uh, to you this morning, uh, you said three words to me that and that set off a light bulb <laughs> above my head, and I thought, oh my gosh, you're absolutely right. You said, no hard seltzer. Ah. For anyone who doubts what we've been talking about when we look at Companies like Boston Beer and how hard seltzer sales are helping to drive their quarterly results higher. By the same token, Brown Foreman does not have hard seltzer in its portfolio, and it's showing up in the latest results. Yeah, well, and I mean, we've seen as a beer drinker. I mean, it's it's a wonderful time to be alive because there's so much so much choice out there, but. Beer itself is is witnessing a lot of headwinds growth wise, and so you're seeing companies like like Boston Beer pivot over to um, hard seltzer. Hard seltzer is just on fire these days, and and honestly, I mean Boston Beer's recent success has has been more based on the performance of its hard seltzer line than anything else. I mean they're having a lot of trouble on the beer side. Another company that. Has a pretty high uh, high cotton spirits portfolio. Diageo, I mean, you look at Diageo, same thing. I mean, the stock year to date stock is down over the last year. It's been not very good. I mean, you look at these companies and think, man, I mean, people are going to be battening down the hatches and and just preparing for for extended periods of time inside. Well, man, I want to stream videos and I want to drink some alcohol. <laughs> maybe maybe uh, you know we need to dig into some more of the the. Come the heavier wine, heavier wine portfolios, but I mean, it, it is it is also very likely some lag there. I mean, we will see. I think as the year goes on, uh, some interesting earnings reports with companies that are dealing with this better than others. Um, you know, I would not put Diageo or Brown Foreman on the same level as like the cruise liners, for example. Obviously, you're going to see two different two different worlds there. Um, and Campbell's too. I mean, I would imagine a lot of what you're seeing right now is is a little bit of hype, a little knee jerk reaction. I mean, let's get back to they had a good quarter. Yeah, yeah. I mean, what a bad quarter. And, and the guidance was good too. But I'm going to say of this eight percent, two percent of the rise is people just saying, "Well, that makes sense." Well, yeah. And let's think about the guidance too. What's the guidance based on? The guidance is probably based on what we're kind of the conditions we're seeing on the ground right now. I don't think this is going to last forever. I mean, it's it's not something that's going to be over anytime soon. But I mean, you know, a year from now we will have better information and we'll be able to manage our lives a little bit better in a world where this exists. Um, and, and maybe people's soup preferences goes back to a more normalized level. You know, we talk about adjusted earnings, Chris. Well, right now, maybe maybe soup demand is a little bit adjusted. Maybe we just have to account for that. Uh, before we get to the listener email, do you want to talk about the stock that you're keeping your eyes on? Yeah, I mean, to me. It's really it's a fascinating time, and honestly, I feel like I have I have a hard time imagining that at the end of the year, we're not looking back on this and thinking that we've hit at least a mild recession as a byproduct of all of this. Because really, 
I mean, every nothing is immune here, right? Every business is being impacted in one way or another. Um, in in the travel industry is is a really really tough one right now. It's not not an area where I think you need to be going and sifting through for bargains because I do think things will get worse. Um, but when I look at the travel industry, a stock that I own, a stock that I am definitely going to be adding to on dips as the year continues, assuming that we do get some dips. I mean, booking holdings. I mean, recent quarter announced. I mean, clearly they're feeling some of the pressure here, or the hotel room nights uh, feeling some pressure there. And I mean, it is primarily uh, booking holdings. We know it is Priceline as well. But um, I mean, a business has been around for a long time, tremendous global network with hundreds of thousands of, of hotels available on that network, on that platform, um, making investments into other ancillary areas of the travel industry, whether it's um, whether it's it's reservations with that open table acquisition or, or elsewhere. I mean, sort of, they've got investments in ride sharing platforms in, in Asia as well. Just I mean, just a lot of reasons to like the business. And right now, I mean, the stock is down about ten percent, I think, over the last month. And a lot of that had to do with the earnings report and obviously what's going on right now. But I mean, it, 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 the company just generates a ton. A ton of cash. I mean, four and a half billion dollars in free cash flow here on the trailing twelve-month basis. That puts the stock at somewhere around fifteen times free cash flow today. Which, to my mind, you know, you're talking about a business that dominates its market, a business that is going to be. I don't want to say impossible to disrupt, but it's going to be really, really difficult to disrupt this business. And I don't see that happening anytime soon. So when we're looking for opportunistic buys, look towards the markets where the opportunities are going to be a little bit more obvious, and then in those markets. Find the find the winner, right? Find the company that you think is like the biggest, baddest. You know, when they you're gonna get a go stand up to a bully, you just go up and they just they your dad tells you just go hit him. Find the biggest, toughest guy. Let's go, just go knock him out. Find the biggest, baddest company in that space and, and go. Keep your eye on it and build a position in that one. I think uh, I think Booking.com is that one. Our email address is marketfoolery at fool.com. Uh, question from Gaurish Shastri. Hope I pronounced that correctly. Um, who, speaking of stocks that have uh, dipped down below previous highs, uh, he writes, I wanted to add to my position in Disney, but the recent change of leadership and the timing of it makes me nervous. Uh, you and Jason always mention companies that push out bad news amongst a bunch of noise, and this sounds similar to that. Disney chose the noise of the coronavirus to make their leadership news change public. Um, what do you think about that? Also, oh, he also adds. P.S. I bought Zoom video based on one of your podcasts, <laughs> and just like Teladoc, which I don't own, Zoom is killing it these days in bad times. Well, Zoom um, earnings out later today after the market yes. closes. Let's hope they have some of that Campbell Soup style guidance. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> How great would that be if they just came out? This was a Campbell Soup kind of bounce for us. <laughs> just they, if they just deadpanned that, I if Eric Yuan did that, that, that would, would be, be great. So good. Um, what do you think about this? Um, because. When I first read this email, the idea, I thought, well, I hadn't thought of that. I hadn't really seen anyone push that out there. Now, that said, it did strike me as sudden, even though the retirement of Bob Iger has been a conversation for the past four years. It got pushed out. It was originally, I think, going to be in 2018. It got pushed out. But just, it did. 
it did strike me as rather sudden, and I think it struck other people as rather sudden as well. I just don't know that I'm buying the conspiracy here. So it struck me as sudden. I do agree with that. I mean, given given everything that led up to it, it just it was one extension after another. It seemed like, and I understood the extensions because he really wanted to see this through this whole transition um, into this this over the top streaming. Uh, offering with Disney Plus and Hulu and ESPN Plus, and kind of how they were reshaping their media landscape. Uh, so I, I definitely understood why, and I understood why you know, the board wanted him there because he's obviously got a, a tremendous track record with the company. So it was sudden, and, and I, I would be lying if I said the thought didn't cross my mind that there would be something more to this. Um, I'm not convinced that there is. And and I think the main reason is because I think I can actually kind of relate to what he's saying. I mean, at the end of the day, it feels like really he felt like the heavy lifting has been done. He's built Disney Plus. They've got the infrastructure in in, in place. The service works. It's been just it's a tremendous reception. Uh, it really really is is set up for success. And and there's one real key to its future success, and that is now content. It needs to be fresh, new, constantly updating. Their library is only going to get them so far. Um, and so, to see him say that, you know what, I listen, I don't need to be running this company all the time. I don't need to be running this company every day. That That's a hard job. There's no question. And, and I think that he saw in Bob Chapek the obvious successor. And I think that he saw that that heavy lifting had been done, and there was an avenue, an opportunity for him to still be with the company, fulfill you know his his obligation, still serve the company in a role, and really focus on something that he at this point in his life loves in developing content for that new service. So I initially, yes, it was sudden; it made me think twice about it. After listening to him, after understanding the rationale behind it all, I I, I would not be digging into any. Conspiracy theories or anything, anything uh, you know, other than the fact that he just felt like this timing was was perfect, more or less. I, I could be totally wrong. With that said, I mean, it certainly doesn't change my view on Disney as an investment. I mean, I think that Disney is just going to be uh, a wonderful stock to own for essentially indefinitely. And given the shellacking that the stock has taken here recently, I, you know, I think. Like like Booking.com, it's probably one that belongs high on everybody's watch list right now. Thanks for being here. Thank you. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So, don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's going to do it for this edition of Market Foolery. The show is mixed by Austin Morgan. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. We'll see you tomorrow. Tomorrow.